0: Hey guys, good morning. So this is the last section of Tears of a Tiger, page 146 to the end. A Father's Dreams, Andy and his dad at home, April 2nd, 4 p.m. Hi dad, you're home early, what's to eat? I'm starved. Hello Andrew, This is, the unusu- is this the usual time you get home from school? Yeah, I guess, give or take a few, why? Somehow I thought you got home after dark on most evenings. Well, I did during basketball season, but that's been over for a couple of months now so I just take the bus home right after school. I see. How have you been doing at school? Are your grades any better? You want some of this ham sandwich? Sure is good. Where's the mustard? Andrew, I asked you a question. Huh? Oh, grades. Uh, Yeah, no problem, Dad. I'm steady pulling them up. Mon- is Monty home yet? The Teenage Warrior Space Soldier show is about to come on. Monty's with your mother. They went to the grocery store, I believe. But it's you I'm concerned about. Your report card came in the mail today. I'm dead meat. How can you possibly say your grades are improving? You failed English and chemistry, and you just barely passed history and math. You even failed gym. How can you consider yourself an athlete if you can't even pass gym? I lost my gym shoes. You what? I lost my shoes, and the gym teacher takes off points if you're not dressed in proper gym clothes. But I found them. They were in Gerald's locker. Forget gym. What about English and chemistry? I talked to your English teacher a couple months ago, and it seemed for a while that you were improving. What happened? I don't know. She don't like me? That's a weak excuse, Andrew. She seemed genuinely concerned when she called me. That doesn't sound like someone who doesn't like you. Have you done all your assignments in her class? Yeah, most of them. Well, some of them. What about test? What about them? Don't play me, boy. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. How do you you usually do on her test? I guess I fail most of them. Do you study for the test? Sometimes. How can you say you want to go to college? What college is going to take you with grades like this? I never said I wanted to go to college. You were the one who said I wanted to go to college. What do you mean? We've been talking about college since you were a little boy. Getting a degree, maybe even in the field of business administration. That's your dream, dad, not mine. Well, what about basketball? Didn't you want to go to college to play basketball so that you could um, get a chance at professional basketball? You really improved your game this year. How would you know? You don't ever come, not even to one of my games this year. Not a single one. Well, you know how hectic my schedule is. Besides, I've seen you in the yard with your friends when you shoot hoops. I know you're good. Yeah, right. But back to the subject in hand, this absolutely reprehensible report card. Why you got to use such big words? I know my report card stinks. Why can't you just say that? If you had a better vocabulary, perhaps you wouldn't be failing English. Why don't you get off my case? I'm not going to argue with you, Andrew, but I expect to see some major improvements in these last couple of months of school, or I shall have to take some severe punitive measures. There you go with them big words again. What else can you do to punish me? Take away my car? It's in pieces at Joe's Auto Graveyard. Take away my driver's license? Sorry, the cops beat you to that. Stop me from seeing my best friend? He's in pieces at Spring Grove People Graveyard. I took care of that myself. I killed him, remember? So you can't hurt me. I deal with big-time hurt every day. Andrew, I know the accident was very traumatic for you. But you have to get beyond it and move on. You have to be strong and show that you are bigger than the problem. Yeah, I know. You told me that before. Be a man. Be strong. Put this unfortunate incident behind you. Well, maybe I just can't do that. So you're going to let it control your actions and ruin your life? No, Dad. I'm going to get it together. You'll see. My grades for the last quarter of school will be much better. I promise. That's my Andrew. I know you can do it, son. I'm counting on you. Don't let me down. Do it for me. Okay, Dad, whatever you say. Hey, Dad, can I ask you a question? Sure, Andrew. How come you always call me Andrew? Mom, Monty, all my friends, even my teachers, they call me Andy, but you never have. And I've never had the nerve to ask you why. Well, son, let me tell you. My father named me Ezekiel Jeremiah Jackson, two strong Bible names. He had great ambitions for me, but the name turned out to be a detriment rather than an asset to me. When I was growing up, kids called me Zeke, and even Easy, and I hated it. Ha! Easy Jackson. I love it. Well, I hated it. I wanted so much to be dignified and respectable and proper. Well, you sure got that. Quit interrupting. I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from. "'You see, I want it to be white. "'No, not white, but accepted by them. "'And it was almost impossible to be taken seriously "'in the business world with a name like Ezekiel. "'I'd be sitting in a meeting with, a vi- with five or six of them "'all in blue suits and serious ties. "'The meeting would go something like this. "'Bob, what do you think that strategy should be?' "'Well, Tom, let's get a market sample. "'Bill, did you get the pronounce of the data?' "'Yes, and Ezekiel here did the sales analysis.' There'd be this silence while they tried not to giggle. It just didn't work, and Zeke was worse. They all had a black handyman at home named Zeke, so I started calling myself EJ. They seemed to respect and accept that. Besides, all the presidents of big companies refer to themselves as TW or JB. They were used to that format, at least, so that's why I'm known at work simply as EJ Jackson. I don't think there's anyone who knows my real name, except maybe the people and personnel. Is that why you're always so nice to BJ? Maybe. He seems like a nice fellow, though. What's his real name? He said his mama won't even tell him, and he don't want to know. Well, I can understand where he's coming from. I wish you could understand where I'm coming from sometimes. What was that you said? You were mumbling. Nothing. Thanks for telling me that. I mean, I knew your name and all, but you still never told me why you never used it, why you still, and you still haven't explained to me why you called me Andrew. When you were born, I wanted to give you something my father had tried but failed, to give me, a name to be proud of. I didn't want you to have to shorten it or lighten it in any way. So from the time you were little, I called you Andrew. I guess it was partly from pride and partly from the determination that I had to make you something really special. I ain't nothing special. Well, your grades don't show it, but you are. You should be in the top of your class, showing everybody, both black and white, that E.J. Jackson's son is somebody to be respected and admired. How come I got to be E.J. Jackson's son? How come I just can't be plain old ordinary Andy Jackson? Because ordinary isn't good enough. Why not? Look, I went to college, night school, for six years while I worked at various jobs during the day to try to make ends meet. I studied all the time. I carried a dictionary with me wherever I went so that I could improve my vocabulary. I was always conscious of improving myself, making myself better, making myself good enough, bright enough, proper enough, respectable enough. For what? For my coworkers, for myself. You think they care that you busted your butt to be acceptable to them? It's that desire to excel that I see lacking in you sometimes. I think you just don't care. Sometimes you're right. How can you not care about your life, Andrew-Andy? You seem to be doing fine, a fine job of dreaming. My dreams and planning my future. Maybe I don't want to be accepted by white folks, but you must. It's the only way to make it in this world, to assimilate into the society in which we live. That's why you must pull up your grades and improve your attitude. That is the key to success. What if I can't? I'm not taking no for an answer. You will show substantial improvement. I will not accept anything less than maximum effort. No son of mine is going to be a failure. Do you hear me? Okay, dad, whatever you say. There's your mother's car in the driveway. Help her bring in the groceries. I hope she didn't get much. I'm not very hungry anymore. Nighttime cries of desperation. Andy's final phone calls, April 2nd, midnight. Maybe I should call Keisha. Nah, I've had enough of her whining and complaining. And I thought she misunderstood. I thought she understood me. She ain't nothing but a scar on my soul. I gotta move on. I think I'll call that Carruthers dude. He said to call him anytime, time, day or night. Let's see, what's the number? Here it is. Maybe I'll talk to him. I can get my head clear. I feel like I got cotton in my brain. Hello. This is Dr. Carruthers answering service, may I help you? Uh, Yeah, my name is Andy Jackson and I need to talk to Dr. Carruthers right away. Are you a patient of his? Yeah, I guess, I've been in to see him several times. He said it was okay to call him day or night. So I'm calling, could you connect us please? I'm sorry sir, but Dr. Carruthers mother had a heart attack and he had to go out of town. Dr. Kelly is taking his calls tonight. He'd be very glad to talk to you. Dr. Kelly? Who's that? I can't talk to no stranger. It took me a long time to get used to talking to that one long-headed doctor, and he told me he'd be there for me any time I needed him. This is the first time I feel like I really need to talk to him. Can you tell him he... And you telling me he ain't there? What kind of mess is this? Sir, Dr. Carruthers was the doctor on call tonight, but as I told you, he had a sudden emergency. I can get Dr. Kelly to... Look... Isn't there some way to call Dr. Carruthers long distance? This is really important. I'm really very sorry. You said your name was Andy? Yeah, Andy. I'm really, really sorry, Andy. Dr. Carruthers left about two hours ago for the airport, headed to California. He's on the plane now, so we can't even page him. But Dr. Kelly is a really fine advisor, and I know you'll like him. Let me connect you. He'll be on the other line. He'll be with you in 30 seconds, okay? Yeah. Okay. Click. Forget this. I don't need this. How come he be gone? Adults always be talking about being there for you when you need them, but when you decide you do, they'd be disappeared like dust. Okay. What do I do now? I feel like the world is closing in on me. Wait a minute. I know who's home. Coach Ripley. Of course he's home. Tomorrow's a school day. He's got to go to work. He's got to be home. He'll cheer me up. He always makes sense. I wonder if he's asleep. Hello, you've reached the Ripley residence. We're sorry we're unable to come to the phone right now. If you leave a message at the sound of the tone, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Have a real nice day. Beep. Click. Yeah, well, you have a real nice day or night or life or whatever. I hate talking to machines. It's like it takes part of you, a part of your soul or something, when you talk on those things. You leave a little piece of yourself all naked and unprotected for anybody to see when they push that little button. Well, they ain't getting none of me. Coach is probably asleep anyway. I'll talk to him tomorrow at school. School. When I think about school, I feel like I got a mouthful of dry bread and I can't swallow. When I think about school, I feel like I jumped off the deep end of the pool. Then I remembered I couldn't swim. Then I realized it didn't matter anyway because the pool was empty. When I think about school, I feel like I'm trying to take deep breaths, but the air is made of sand. When I think about school, I feel like I'm in a dark, closed room with invisible hands pushing me in all directions, pushing me towards a light I can't see. Some kids can see that light. Some walk around like they got light screwed in their foreheads. Some just carry a glow like Keisha. Yeah, Keisha shines. I'm going to call her. She'll talk to me. I know she will. Hello? Mrs. Montgomery? May I speak to Keisha, please? Who is this? It's me, Andy Jackson. Did I wake you up? Andy, of course you woke me up. Do you know what time it is? I'm sorry. I really need to speak to Keisha. It's important. Andy, she's asleep. You shouldn't, and you should be too. You can't call here after midnight on a school night and expect me to call her to the phone. I don't care how important it is. Now you go get some rest, and you can talk to her at school tomorrow, okay? I'm sorry I bothered you, Mrs. Montgomery. Don't even tell her I called. She'll just have one more thing to be mad at me for. Things always look brighter in the morning, Andy. I'm sure you two will be able to work out your differences. She really thinks a lot of you. Now get off the phone and let me get back to sleep. Okay, Mrs. M. Good night and thanks. So what do I do now? My head is throbbing, my mind is cloudy, my heart is bloody, my soul is on ice. I think I read that somewhere. Nobody's home, nobody cares. Maybe I'll try to sleep. I wish I could sleep forever. Have you seen Andy? Andy's friends at school, April 3rd, in homeroom. Grimes, here. Hawkins, yeah. Henderson, here. Immerman, over here. Jackson, Jackson. Is Andy absent again? Yeah, Mr. Whitfield, he's got senioritis, a terrible disease. I'd say he have, might have a fatal disease. Students who catch senioritis have been known to develop serious complications and never graduate. He'll be here tomorrow. He has to. He owes me $2. Good luck. Okay, let's finish with attendance. Johnson, here. Keisha, have you seen Andy? No, and I hope I never do again. Come on, girl, you know it hurts. Yeah, Rhonda, it hurts. I really liked him, you know. But he's just got too many complications. He's better off without me. He's got to get himself together before he can seriously get involved with somebody else. How's Tyrone? Oh, just great. We're going to the movies tomorrow. Do you want to come? No, I'll probably just catch a movie on cable. It's kind of nice just to relax for a change and not worry about how I look or what I'll wear or where we're going. I'm just going to chill and enjoy my freedom. Okay, but call me if you change your mind. Say, I'm going to drop Andy's chemistry homework to his house after school. Mr. Whitfield said he'd fail unless he got this assignment in. You wouldn't mind going with me, would you? No way, girl. Actually, if I saw him, I might be just do something really stupid um, and, like, cry or make up with him. I'm out of his life, at least for now. Okay? I'll call you later. Tigers have it rough. Andy at home alone, April 3rd, 10 a.m. So what do I do now? Pray? Cry? Hide under the bed from the monsters that are inside of me? No. I think I'm going to sit here and think. I'm going to think about why I'm sitting here on the bed, holding my dad's hunting rifle, feeling how smooth and cool it feels. He likes to hunt. Some killer instinct left over from his ancestors who ran around in loincloths in the Congo. Ha! What would they say if they could see him in his three-piece suit, spear in hand, crouch and to stalk a tiger? Tigers have it rough these days. Instead of roaming the jungle, hiding from hunters in three-piece loincloths, they are put in concrete cages with bars of steel, even in the modern zoos, where it looks like tigers ought to be happy, because they are given 15 or 20 feet of real grass. If you look really hard, you can see tiny little electrical wires. The tiger, who might think he's equal to all those other tigers in the jungle that his mama told him about, is quickly reminded to stay in his place. He soon learns that he'll never be, get out of there. I've always hated this bedspread. It's lumpy, and when you sit on it, little tufts of material stick to your clothes. See, it's already started. Tiny little bits of lint all over my slacks. And it always slides off my bed in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping too hard to know it's gone. I just have this vague feeling I'm cold, or dreaming of being cold or something. I'm a little cold now. Now that I think about it, cold inside, like there's nothing there, or like my guts are frozen. I remember once when I was little, I got this same frozen gut feeling. I was in a department store with Mama, and we were on an escalator going down. I remember feeling slightly dizzy as I looked behind us at where we had been, the steps rolling smoothly. When we got to the bottom, the shoestring of my new red tennis shoes got caught on the steps and kept rolling, pulling me out of my foot with it. Mama screamed, and I guess I was scared because I just felt frozen, like I was watching myself on TV as the moving steps gradually gobbled my shoestring and pulled my foot towards its teeth. Some dude ran over to the escalator and pushed the emergency button. Mama pulled me loose and then smacked me for being careless. I never even cried. I just felt like it wasn't really there, like now, sitting here on my bed, wishing that I was nowhere at all. It's not that I want to die. It's just that I can't stand the pain of living anymore. I just want the hurt and the pain inside to go away. It's like a monster in my gut eating me up from the inside out. Actually, I feel like the only thing that's keeping me from going crazy is this terrible, terrible pain. There's nobody home. Everyone's gone for the day. I left for school, but halfway there I forgot where I was going or why. So I came back here to sit on my lumpy, linty bedspread, wishing I would never been born, stroking the smooth, cool barrel of my father's shotgun. It's very, very quiet. I'm sorry for all that, I'm, that I've done. So sorry. So very, very sorry. Facts Without Feelings. Official police report, April 3rd, 8.30 p.m. Official police report, Youth Investigative Division. Date, April 3rd. Time, 1820. Investigating Officer, Casey. Subject, Andrew Jackson. Male, black, age 17. Address, 2929 Ridgemont Lane. Finding, suicide. Disposition, deceased. Summary report. On the morning of April 3rd, the above-named student left for school, but a neighbor reported seeing him return home about an hour later. He never reported to school. His friends expressed concern because of Andrew's recent extreme fits of depression. A friend, Rhonda Jaffries, arrived at the house at 4.05 to bring Andrew some missed schoolwork. Andrew's mother, who was getting home from picking up her younger son from school, had not been aware that her son had not gone to school. The younger child, Monty, aged 6, Notice blood on the ceiling, Mrs. Jackson went to her son's bedroom where Andrew's body was found with a fatal gunshot wound to the head. Police and life squad were summoned at four eleven. Andrew was pronounced dead at the scene. Feelings on display grief counselor at school April fourth nine a m Good morning class. My name is Mrs. Sweet, and I'm a member of the Suicide Prevention Grief Counseling Team that has been brought in to help you with this crisis. We want you to feel free to express your emotions, to cry if you want to, or to ask us questions, whatever you need to get through this. If you work for the Suicide Prevention Team, you didn't do a very good job, did you? You sound bitter, young man. Your name is Tyrone. Andy was my friend. Where was you last month when me and BJ was looking for somebody to help him? You got posters and emergency phone numbers for suicide prevention hotlines posted all over the building today. Where was you last week? What good does it do now? You have a point, Tyrone. Your counselors here at school know these numbers and should have had them available for you. When we went to see the counselor, all we got was bad breath and bad advice. There is no way that your counselor could have seen the future. I'm sure she would have suggested our number had she known the severity of Andrew's problems. Yeah, sure. Tell me anything. Is there anyone else who would like to express their feelings? Anger is a perfectly normal emotion. Yes, your name? B.J. B.J., uh, that stands for... It stands for B.J., Mrs. Sweet. We've had two kids die in our class this school year. We had some people here from your office when Robbie died, too and didn't do no good then neither. They're still dead, and I'm afraid I'm next. I'm just plain scared. As we get older, we all learn that death is part of life. If we let these tragedies become overgrowth experiences, we can learn from them. But we have in some way triumphed over the fear and anger and sorrow that death brings. That sounds like something you got out of a book. That don't cover how I feel. Andy left without saying goodbye, and I don't know why. He had his friends that cared about him, that he didn't ask for help. I feel like he punched me in the gut, and I can't hit back. I understand. Does anyone else have anything to say? No one. I see. Sometimes it's hard to speak such personal emotions out loud. I have an idea. Suppose you write a letter to Andy. Don't tell me what's on your mind. Talk to him. Tell him what you wanted to say what you wish you had said, what you want to say now. If you write it down, that might help you sort out your feelings. This is stupid. If you don't want to participate in this activity, that's perfectly acceptable. But for those of you who do, let's see if it helps. Anger and pain, letters to Andy from his friends, April 8th to the 12th. Dear Andy, well this stupor counselor woman said to write a dumb letter to you. I don't see what for. It's supposed to make us feel better, but how can we feel better if we still don't understand why? Hey man, life ain't perfect, but it's life. Remember the night after the accident when we realized we wasn't going to die? In spite of all that noise and fire and death, we looked at each other and real quick like we smiled. You know why? Because we were alive and we were glad. Of course we felt horrible that Rob was dead, I will never, never forget him or that terrible night. And we felt guilty too. Guilty that it was our stupid behavior that caused it, and guilty that we had lived and he had died. I had been able to deal with the guilt day by day. It got easier to handle. But you, you never got out from under the blame you put on yourself. We didn't die in that accident for a reason. BJ says it's because the Lord needed Robbie up there, and he needed us down here. I guess you know BJ's gotten real religious lately. I don't know about all that. All I know is that if if there was some special reason why we didn't die in that crash, then you just blew it. Robbie's death was an accident. Somehow, I can deal with that. But what you did, it just doesn't make no sense to me. You're making everything so rough for the rest of us. Rhonda and Keisha, they cry every time they look at the, at, we look at them. And me and BJ try to hang out together now, but nothing is fun anymore. I probably never will figure all this out. I know my life will never be the same, but I also know that dying didn't fix nothing. It just makes things worse. I don't know what I'm here for. I'm here to stay. I got the guts to keep on living and find out why. I miss you, Andy, and I'll never forget you. But when me and Rhonda is married and got six kids, you won't be there. When BJ is preaching to a church with 5,000 people, you won't be there. And when Keisha is a famous fashion designer with a Ph.D. in chemistry and all kinds of fine-looking dudes are around her, you still won't be there. So later, brother, say hello to Romeo and Juliet for me. Tell them I think they were stupid, too. They didn't go to the senior prom, either. Your main man, Tyrone. Tyrone. Dear Andy, you know what really pisses me off? You. You're a coward and a sellout. You decided to end your life without saying goodbye to anybody, without asking anyone for help. You deserted your friends and family, the people who love you the most. Suicide is the coward's way out. Brave men face their problems. So what does that make you? I don't want to face my problems either. What does that make me? Do you know what courage is? I guess you don't. Do you know that the courage it took in that moment to actually blow yourself away was more than enough courage to keep on living? It takes courage for me to get out of bed every morning, to put up with my stepfather's beatings, with my house that stinks of pee, with my face that looks at me in the mirror each morning and reminds me of the scar that I still have. But if I smile back at my face and I grab a bag of potato chips and my basketball and head out for school because I have courage, I'll be here for next week. Where will you be? I hate you for leaving me here. I hate you for making me feel like this. I hate you for making me cry, and I hate you for making me face death again so soon. Gerald. Dear Andrew, you don't know me very well. You probably don't know me at all. I was in your English class this year. I sat on the other side of the room near the door. I'm the one with the torn book bag and the non-designer jeans. I used to sit there and watch you, cracking jokes with the teacher, charming the girls with that freaky smile, and laughing when you flunked one of those pop quizzes. And I envied you. Oh yes, I envied your easy, careless ways. Sure, I got good grades. You once stood up and led the whole class in a cheer for me because I was the only one who got a perfect score in the Macbeth test. I know you don't remember that. I'm one of those kids who's easily forgotten, but I'll never forget it. I wanted to be like you, popular and likable and well-known. I never realized the price you were paying for that mask you were wearing. I'm glad I found out. I like myself a lot better now. Marcus. Dear Andy, I have some questions for you. Everyone has been asking why, why'd you do it, why now? Why didn't you ask for help? But I have some harder questions for you. What were you thinking while you were sitting in your bedroom with that shotgun? Who did you think would find you? Did you have someone in particular in mind? Your dad, your mom? How about your little brother, Monty? He's six years old. Did you think what an effect this would have on the rest of his life? Did you think about the blood on your bed, the wall, the floor? Did you know that blood dripped through the floorboards, through the ceiling of the living room? That's how they discovered that you had gone? Monty asked your mom why there was blood on this ceiling. I'm not through this with you. Your mom found you, or what was left of you. Did you think about her? Could you feel her pain as she walked into your room and saw your bloody draped body across your bed, a gun still clutched in your hand, and shattered segments of your head spread across the room which looked as if it had been painted with blood. Do you know what blood smells like, Andy? Your mom does. She'll never forget it. Part of her died that day too. And so did I. I was there. I had come to bring your chemistry homework because you weren't at school. When she screamed, I ran upstairs. From that point, it's like a terrible videotape that kept rewinding that won't erase the blood, the screams, the tears, the frantic call, the 911, the ambulance, the police, the body bag. Then the numbness, more tears, the disbelief and the questions. Then more tears, the wake, the funeral and the pain, the pain that will not go away. So tell me, what were you thinking, Rhonda? Dear Andy, You can't be dead, but I went to your funeral. I felt your coffin. It was warm and woody, but you couldn't have been in it. I wanted to open it, to knock, to call out your name, but I didn't dare. I went to the cemetery. I kept thinking everyone here is dead. They're all dead, thousands and thousands of dead people, people who would never come back. And then I really did call out your name. And I finally cried. I wept for you because you weren't supposed to be with all those dead people. Because you can't, you just can't be dead. So I guess the pain is over for you now. You've moved to a place where there is no pain and I guess that's good. But the pain left by your absence is like a wound on our hearts that will not heal. Nobody understands why you decided to end your life when you had so much to live for. So if you're out And we have to say, so you're out and we have to stay here, feeling your pain as well as our own. It really isn't fair, you know. Some people say, and don't get me wrong, you know how often I go to church. Well, they say that killing yourself is a sin and that you'll go to hell because of it. You took a life that had been given by God and you cannot ask for forgiveness for that. But I can't bear that thought. So in your case, I hope God is forgiving. I hope God understands that your heart was good, but your pain was so powerful. Of course, with that smart mouth of yours, God may be sorry and kick you out. I love you. Take care. Wait for me. Love, Keisha. Lord, please forgive him. BJ's Prayer for Andy, April 28th. Dear Lord, there's a dude named Andy who's on his way up there. "'At least I hope he's headed in your direction. "'He's not a bad kid, just very young and very, very stupid. "'Will stupidity keep him out of heaven? "'He suffered a lot down here. "'He never could talk to his folks, and he stayed tied up in knots. "'He felt so very guilty for Robbie's death. "'I think it's because he never learned to pray. "'He never learned the power and hope that comes from your forgiveness. "'I know that's what kept me sane. "'He never willingly hurt anybody or anything.' Remember once when we were little in eighth grade, Andy had a puppy who got hit by a car. He had only had the dog for a couple of weeks, so he couldn't have been that attached to it. But when it died, Andy almost fell apart. He stayed depressed for weeks. I think Andy was scared of death in general. Two years ago, when Mr. Mincelli, one of our gym teachers, died of a heart attack, and a lot of kids from our school went to the funeral but not Andy. He got all nervous and irritable whenever anyone ever mentioned Mr. Manselli. He just couldn't cope. The whole idea of death terrified him. So I know Andy was afraid. His soul is probably still out there somewhere, floating in the darkness, looking for hope, hope for forgiveness, and terribly, terribly frightened. I know you already know all of this, but I just wanted to ask if you'd look out for my partner and help him find peace. The Tears of a Tiger Monty's goodbye to Andrew. May 15th. Andy, can you hear me? It's me, Monty. Mama brought me here to the cemetery because I told her I just had to talk to you. She didn't want to come. She hasn't been back here since the funeral, but I kept bugging her. She won't even get out of the car. She's over there now, just sitting and crying. That's all she does now cry. It's starting to get on my nerves. Things have changed a lot since you, since you left. We live in another house now. Actually, mama and me live in one place and daddy lives somewhere else. I get to see him on the weekends, but it's not the same. Nothing is the same. The only good part is that they pay a whole lot of attention to me now. I got a computer for my birthday last week. You forgot I had a birthday, didn't you? You forgot about me completely, didn't you? I miss you, Andy. Who's gonna teach me how to dribble down the court and make layups? How am I ever gonna learn to make free throws? You know how rotten daddy is at basketball. His belly keeps getting in the way. And how am I ever gonna figure out girls? Do you know some girl tried to kiss me for my birthday? Gross. It's a real pretty day. It's warm and the sun is shining, and everything smells real good. I wish you could see it. I wish you were here. I wish everything was like it used to be. Daddy says I got to be brave and strong. I guess I can do that, but at night I get real scared, and sometimes I have bad dreams. But I'm not going to cry anymore because I'm tough like a tiger, and tigers don't cry, or do they? Mama is calling me now. She says it's time to go. I'm sure she wants me to tell you she's thinking about you always. I feel better now. I'm glad she let me come and talk to you. I don't know when I'll get back t- again. I'm going to start the not hole baseball next week, and I spent a lot of time learning how to use my computer, so you know how it is. But I'll always love you, and I'll always miss you, and I'll never forget that it's okay to put dragons in the jungle and tears on a tiger. Bye.